Hey everybody! I'm your girl, Sister Goose, and I have here with me my lovely mother, Sugar Mama, and we are Black Girls Inc. Now mom, I'm not just excited, but I feel like this is special to me because okay. it reminds me of me and my sister when I think about these two ladies. Yes. And you know how I'm crazy about my big sister, yeah. mom. So, today for the first time, mm -hmm. we have another duo, but this time it's two sisters. Please help me snap and welcome Miss Cheryl and Miss Lares. Hey, ladies. Hey, hey. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, we are so excited. We are too. Look, we are too. Um, I, I was reading about, you know, you guys, because you're, you're, um, Char, sorry, your sister sent me your bio and stuff, and I was reading about what you guys was about and stuff, and your bio moved me alone, and I, I just thought that that was so wonderful, two sisters working together who made a book together, mm. and I'm really big about sister bonds because I have a sister myself, so I just thank you both for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yes. yes. So, let's just dig right on into it now. All right, go ahead. So, would one of you mind telling us the title of your book and what it's all about? Um, the title of the book is Different Sides of the Same Coin, mm -hmm. and it is a collection of poems from our experiences and uh, uh, poems that... Uh, about our our family and how we grew up and uh, just life in general. Okay. Okay. That's, That's what's what up. Said. That's what I said. Like it, it sounds so good already. Different so, the same coin. That's good. How did this come about? What made you to write this book? Actually, our lives wrote this book. Okay. And so we, over a, the course of our lifetime. We were both writing, and we journaled. Okay. But we didn't confide to the other that we were journaling and just kind of chronicling our life in our journals. Yeah. And so I always wrote and just kind of, uh, my sister knew I wrote, and, but we ended up writing this book independent of each other without the other knowing. Okay. Over over 20 years and so we had a massive collection of poems that we've written throughout our lifetime over a 20 year span okay. and this book this book came together because we just compiled everything and put it in one format and we talked to each other and we were talking to each other as we do every day over the phone and that's kind of how we just came up with the title um, because we really are extensions of the other person. Okay. Um, she finishes my sentences. She finishes my thoughts even before I'm able to speak okay. them. And so different sides of the same coin is like a bookend of just our lives together and separately from, for, like I said, the last 20 years. So that's how this book came about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you both this question. And I'm also going to ask you to do this, too, So, since we can't see your face. 
if you can, try to say your name before you talk so we know which one's talking to us. Because y'all sound a little sure. similar. <laughs> um, I want to ask you both this question. Because with me and my sister, as you said, you both was writing journals. You both didn't really know mm-hmm. and stuff. But when um, that's the same thing as me and my sister. There's some stuff we didn't know about each other growing up. But when we grew mm-hmm. up and became women... Mm-hmm. We started to share our stories to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, because I know from my experience, and I'll answer after you two, how did you feel when your sister shared your story with you? Did you see her in a different way? And I mean in a good way, not a bad way. Did, did it change your perspective of her? Like, how did you feel when you heard your sister's story? Okay, this is Lars talking. And... We didn't really have to share our stories because Cheryl and I have always been close. Okay. I mean, we have always been close. She's always been my big sister. She's always been my hero. I mean, I I looked up to Cheryl. I wanted to be Cheryl. So, you know, she's always known my business. I've always known her business. I don't think it was a time when we, you know, even when we were going to separate colleges, she always knew everything that was going on, and I always knew everything that was going on. So the only thing is, is that my sister was Cheryl. She was a literature major, and I was a journalism major. And I didn't know that she was writing, and she didn't know that I was uh, journal, uh, you know, keeping a journal. I didn't, I only started keeping a journal later in my life because. I wanted to understand why I was going through things that I was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I wanted to understand myself. But my sister, I, I uh, we didn't have to share our stories because we always knew each other's gifts. Okay. And this is Cheryl talking, so um, I'm just going to kind of piggyback off of what Loris was saying. We are so intrinsically close, knit, and just We've always had each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I, I I go to her just for major support. Mm-hmm. But we, like I said, I've always, I've always written. And my sister is, my like she just said, she was always my biggest fan. So I would be writing stuff and reading it to her. Okay. And of course, okay. be, because she's my sister and she loves me, she was so supportive. Like, she was, like, the only person that was just there, like, oh, you know, that's really beautiful or whatever. Um, so she supported me the whole time. But this just was a little bit different in that my dad actually uh, was sick. And he wanted us to get our work out there in his lifetime before he died. And so I kind of felt compelled to get this out there. Mm. And so that's what we did. Mm. Can we snap for that, please, yeah. Mom? We snap when we feel what people saying yeah. here. So we're snapping for y'all. Right there. You know, because I, I asked that question because, as I told Cheryl before, me and my sister, we didn't write a book together, but we did a dance ministry together. Yeah, and when I saw my sister dance, I was in awe of her. Because um, she got, first of all, she got me into dancing. Uh, she dragged me into it. (laughs) 
So y'all both was writers. I wasn't trying to be a dancer. She dragged me into it. You was, it was gonna King. go anyway. Yeah. Gonna go anyway. And she was teaching me her moves. And but when I really saw her really do a solo dance, she yes. danced to a like Yolanda Adams song yeah. called "That Name Is Jesus." It yeah. was her first solo dance. Beautiful, beautiful. She made it for And she was just so beautiful. I was in awe of her. And it made me see her different because I said, this is different than what we did at home. Yeah. I didn't know you had all that in you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's why I was asking that question. And I love how y'all was saying, you know, like everything, you know, everything about each other. Because for me and my sister it was different. We knew a lot of stuff about each other, but we was four years apart. And there was something we didn't speak on. Um... We had that thing of house business, even though my mom didn't make us that way, but there was other houses we went to and it was house business. We'll just say it that way. So there was some things we didn't tell each other and we didn't tell each other until we got older and it made me understand her more. And I, I love that y'all had that support for one another, that you knew each other's stories, that you read to each other. And I definitely felt... Your sister, when she said she she was already admiring you with her writing and stuff, yeah. so I, I think that's just beautiful about you two. I really do. I admire you two as two sisters who work together mm-hmm. and keep up the good work, ladies. We support you here at Black Girls Inc. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank, thank you, so you much. Thank you so much. Let me just say, Barbie, and this is Cheryl talking, mm-hmm. that what surprised me the most about this project mm-hmm. is the breadth, depth, and scope of my sister's talent. That is really what surprised me. It wasn't that it wasn't that she wrote. It's that she wrote so well. That is what surprised me the most. And because I was always the writer first, to have your younger sister, which is a totally hidden talent, come and have a greater depth than you. I think that is what was the, what was the most surprising for me. In fact, I can remember um, telling you know some of my friends when when the book was definitely coming out. I said, you know, I'm a little bit scared. I said because I've always fashioned myself a writer. My little sister Laura is not so much. You know, I mean, she always wrote stuff, but I think just watching her watching the growth of her talent and then seeing the finished product of it it just it just knocked me on my on my backside i just i just couldn't believe that she just was sitting on all this talent this whole time mm. mm-hmm. can we let's talk to yeah, that mom yeah. that's another snap yeah yeah that was that was beautiful okay so i'm asking both of you ladies or one of you can answer it's up to you what do you want people to get from your book after they read it? Well, this is Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty easy because you just get the feedback. And so I think the place that we're writing in, mm-hmm. it's such a universal place mm-hmm. of young adults being black women. Mm-hmm that a lot of the themes are just like I just said. They are so universal. They're so... Everyone is living the stuff that we're writing about. So that's a little humbling, quite honestly. But it's also... It's why we keep going. 
And because people, the writing is so authentic and it's the sentiment behind what is written that people are connecting to. And so that is so humbling. And that is, for me, that that's why we write. That is exactly why we write. This is Morris, and I just wanted to add to what Cheryl was saying. Is um, so it's a story that I think every everyone can relate to, whether you're black, white, young, old, you know, whatever. Uh, and and men can relate to it too, because it's just life. It's what happens, what you observe as you're living, and what you experience um, as you, as you're going through the journey. So I think um, it, it, what's great about art is that it's very personable. Mm-hmm. So people can draw from it and, um, you know, their own uh, message from it because art is something that is very personable. So what I get out of a poem, you might get something totally different out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, it, it just, it, it's what it's you or what speaks to you at the time. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I really like y'all's title of two two different sides of the same coin because you both come from the same family, but you both mm-hmm. have your own different sides of how you see things. And that's what exactly. I think when you name it that. And I thought that was so powerful with the title alone. And I thought that was beautiful. So I hope I got the message you was trying to give with the title. <laughs> you did. You, exactly. We always, this is Lars, by the way. Cheryl and I always say that we are the same person, but, it's, but it's, we just look different. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're the same person. We, you know, we, we think the same. You know, we, we, we kind of, you know, similar. But if you look at us, we don't look alike, but we just different. I mean, my sister is 6'1". And I'm five eight, <laughs> okay. so, and, uh, and I'm kind of round, and she's, you know, was always lean, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we we pretty much the same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm I had to, I had to laugh, Barbie, because you said you guys have to um, tell me your names because you sound alike. I know that me and my sister mm-hmm. sound alike, right. and that's just you know, just years. 50 years of living in the same, right. you know, her tone is exactly like mine. Mm-hmm. We say our words the same. So I can understand why you would be having a little bit of a difficulty identifying which one is speaking because we do sound alike. Yeah. And we sing alike and, and uh, you know, every a viewpoint pretty much that you can think as a woman, we, we feel the same exact way about it. <laughs> I, I look I can't wait to read y'all's book and, and I'm going to tell you why before I ask you this next question the reason I can't wait to read y'all's book is because hearing you alone right now the way y'all talk about each other the way you talk about your book I feel like it's going to be something powerful you guys give me this like calm strong will type that of you know you have some wisdom that you want to share and I draw to people like that and that's why I'm excited. I can't wait to read your book because here you talk about it and how you describe it and what you want people to get from it. 
that's my type of book right there. <laughs> so I hope that people are listening. Support the support these women because I got a feeling they got a good book. So support them. Go ahead. Oh wow! One of y'all was saying something. Go ahead. We just want people to mostly sister groups. We want them to mostly be uplifted. Yeah, that's what we want. We want people to be empowered to know that in and of your own intrinsic self, you are enough. You don't need to have more weave. You don't need to be 10 pounds smaller. You don't need to be three inches taller. You don't need to be smarter. You don't need to be whatever. However God made you, whatever package is in, it is enough. That's right. And that is what this work this is what this book is about we want to empower people to know that however you are in this world that's good enough mm. man give them a snap mom. give that a not snap that. see not i told that. you they had some wisdom i know look at not y'all driving wisdom not up in here okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so my next question is what inspired you guys to write Cheryl, you can you go first. Okay, um, what inspired me to write? Probably in the college years, because we grew up in a predominantly white suburb, mm-hmm. and what that means is is your only interaction with your people are when you are in your house, right? So when you're out of the house, every interaction, all of your friends don't look like you. When you go to school, you're, the people that you socialize with don't look like you. Right. So the only people that you are socializing with that, that are, that's like you are the people in your house. But in college, we were exposed to a whole new diversified world of literature, which meant we got to read African-American literature for the first time. We didn't have to just read about the founding fathers of the United States. We could now be exposed to Sonia Sanchez, Nikki Giovanni, and James Baldwin. And so we were, and that blew our mind. So that experience alone, that literary explosion of that Harlem Renaissance, your people, answer. Our black brothers and sisters who were fighting the fight in the 50s and the 60s, we got to read those, those, those works, and we just were never the same after that. And our stories are kind of similar in that regard, but that is, that, that's right there. That is what inspired us to start writing. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, for me personally, uh, uh, this is Lars talking. Like I said, Cheryl and I have always been together. And we've always done things together. And I remember when I was younger, our mom used to buy us these um, Judy Bloom books. And um, and it's like we didn't know that we were were supposed to read the book. You know, I was supposed to let Cheryl read the book and she was supposed to give it to me. No, we didn't sit there and read the books together. So Cheryl was always... She was better than I was everything, everything. But instead of me being jealous of it, kind of, it was like, uh, I was proud of her that she was so good at it, but at the same time, it made me feel like I wasn't good. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, when we read the books together, she would always finish before me. And I always thought that, you know, I was holding her back. So, uh, I, I didn't like to read. I hated reading. And when I decided I wanted to be a journalist, I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to know, you know, you, you're going to have to like to read. And so, um, I went to college, and when I was in college, I took, like, five different literature classes at the same time, because I knew it would force me to read. And I, I never forget. I was sitting in class, and the first book that they, uh, that I took a black literature class, and this was the first black literature class I ever had. Mm. The first book they assigned me was Wallace Thurman's *The Black of the Berry*. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Sister Goose, when I read that book. <laughs> it was like a whole world just opened. I was like, oh my God, this book is about us. It's like all the time I was reading in high school, nothing ever, it was nothing about me. It was like, we didn't exist unless they were making us read something about slavery or something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God, this book, it's amazing. And then I, they start, we got to read, um, Jordan Hurston, yeah, oh my God. And then my sister Cheryl brought home this book. <laughs> this book, I'll never forget it. I was a freshman, I was on the bus. She bust out this book, and it was called Disappearing Acts. Oh my God, <laughs> that book changed my life. I, read I, I, read I was like, this is the best thing I ever read in my life. And I was like, I gotta be a part of it. I have to be a part of it. And after that, I was gone. The movie was a good movie, too. Yeah, we read that book. As soon as you said that, we jumped up like, oh, we read that book. I saw images. The movie wasn't as great, though. Yeah, the movie wasn't as great, but... The book was like... That was the best book. I still love that book to this day. I do, too. It's appearing. Well, Carrie McMillan, I mean, she's just... She's an entity in and of herself. Yes, she is. And as a black woman... I don't care what your age is. If you are 18, mm-hmm, and you, you, you know who Carrie McNeil is. Yeah, you, you check that yeah. out. Yeah. Check that so, out. So that helps me answer my next questions. Who are your favorite authors or writers? <laughs> well, okay, well, I, I kind of told, told on myself a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I told you that in you know, in college when I was 19 and a sophomore, you know, James Baldwin is standing in front of me. So I met him and so him for sure. But the polar end of that would be Sonia Sanchez for me. She, Sonia Sanchez and James Baldwin are my totally favorite writers of all time. Okay, and I'm, I'm right there with Cheryl. I, I love James Baldwin. And I love um, Langston News, but for me, for me, oh my God, when I heard Nikki G. Martin, <laughs> I'm telling you, it felt like I was being baptized. I'm telling you, it was like a religious experience. I just love that woman. You hear me? I call it. It's just that, oh my God, even, even to this day when I hear her, her her work, I'm like, oh my God, it's still a religious experience for me. I love her. That is wonderful. Look, y'all got, 
you got me and my mom looking like we, we about to look at some of these yeah, people. Yeah. Okay, so. Oh I'm my God, you really have to. You must. You must. I'm glad you said <laughs> that because um, I'm going to share something about me. After okay. this, when I, when I was younger, mm. I'm going to be honest, mm. I wasn't into poetry at first. Until I did a play in elementary school. Mm-hmm. It's a black history play. And mm-hmm. they gave me the poem from Maya Angelou, Yet Still I Rise. Oh, I read yes. the poem, look, so I did the part, and a white and a white woman was doing the play. I miss King from Leamington, shout out to you. She was doing the play, I read it, you know, just doing it like it was nothing. And she said, uh-uh, you can't do it that way. Right. And I was like, what, what do you mean? I read it. I said it. Nah, and she said, nah. no, no, no. And then she said, I want you to do something for me. I need you to go. I need you to study who Maya Angelou is. I need you to study what her story is about. And then mm-hmm. you're going to come back here and you're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so that whole week, I had to study what this woman was about. I had to read her background story. And mm-hmm. we got into depths of who she was. And I stood on that stage and we practiced. And as I was reading it, I started to cry halfway through it as I was saying, yet still I rise. And I changed the way I did it. She told me to do it any way I wanted to do it. And I started out sitting on the floor and I slowly started getting up as I was reading mm-hmm. her poem saying, yet still I rise. And yeah. I even made myself look like I was in rags and I tore the rags off of me and I had a beautiful dress beautiful dress underneath. Saying yeah. that still I rise at the end, I had the beautiful dress on. But I finally understood what it meant. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I just read it like it was nothing. But once I understood uh-huh. the woman's story and I read um why she wrote it in the background of what it was about. And I said, that's what poetry is? Poetry is the underlining of an untold story and emotion that someone's trying to get through to other people to Mm -hmm. touch their emotions. I didn't get that at first. You know, I just read it just to read it. And I didn't understand that when you read poems, you have to read it with feelings. If you're just going to read it, then don't read it at all. Now I understand that you said that. and see, really, sister folks, this is the per- this is the perfect segue. Mm-hmm. My sister wrote a piece, and I think that this piece that she is going to read for you in a few minutes when I stop talking okay. is the whole crux okay. of what our book is about. It is who we are as black women. Mm-hmm. It is our story, our narrative. This is who we are in this moment of our lives. And this is what we want for our daughters. This is what we want for our sons. This is what we want for the men that love us. This is who we are. Accept us in this moment, what we are and how we are. And Laura's hit. This poem is called, Why You Hate Me. Why You Hate Me? You hate me because I walk and I flee to the rhythm of my own greatness, which God gave me from the beginning of time. You hate me because when I walk, I flow like the waters of the Egyptian Nile. 
Spanking me because my eyes glow with the history of an entire nation of and kings. You hate me because my rich, dark, chocolate skin radiates and reflects the sun, which lights light the whole earth. You hate me because my lips are full and soft with a sensuous curve speaking the proverbs of Solomon. You hate me because my kinky hair, soft and and wild crowns my head like my father Adam and my mother Eve. You hate me because my body was carved by the master Jehovah himself. You hate me because you spend the days and nights thinking of new ways to hold me down, but still I rise, soaring higher and higher. You hate me because like King David, I excel at your own test of strength. I run, I jump, I climb, I catch, I throw, and I beat you at your own game. You hate me because I won't let you define me and tell me who and what you want me to be because you're afraid of who I really am. You hate me because you want to be me. That's good right there. That's good right there. That's good. That's I can't good. stop because that touched me. Y'all got me crying. I'm And Sister Gross, the whole entire book is like that. That was just one of wow. 240-some poems. They are like that and deeper than that. So if you cried on that one, mm. there are like like I said, there are two hundred and forty three wow. other ones that will make that will move you to tears mm. just like that one did. Oh. Yeah. That that was beautiful. It really was. And I wish I had that poem when I was a little younger. Mm. Uh, yes. And that's what I'm saying. Young girls need to hear that they are you know, we are enough. Right. We don't have to look like anybody yeah, else. Right. Because the Lord God himself fashioned us yeah. and he made us just the way he wanted us to be. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And whether it's Kelly Rowland, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's India mm-hmm. Ari, however the package is, it's mm-hmm. perfect. That's right. It's, a, it's perfect. That's right. It's enough. Mm-hmm. It's enough. It is. And I won't have to be ashamed of it. Whatever right. package is. Mm. Embrace yourself. Embrace black girls. Right. Embrace your sisters. Mm. This isn't a competition. There's room for all of us right. here. Right. Mm. That's right. Man. And I, I, I don't want young girls to be like myself and find that out, you know, in their late forties. They need to learn to appreciate themselves at early. Right. Mm-hmm. See, and that's the other that's the other that is the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Sister Ruth. And sugar mama, this is the other part of it. Yeah, we are, we are so busy. We are ashamed of everything. We are ashamed of yeah. our blackness. We yeah. are ashamed of our speech patterns. We are ashamed of how we speak. Well, not me and my sister. We love the rhythmic dialect and yeah. we love the melody of the voices that we have. Yeah, the soulful voices that we have. We're right. not ashamed. We are a tremendous, powerful people. We were taught exactly. English. We yeah. had to we had to hear it. We had to learn we we had to catch on to it. Yeah. Because they were not teaching us it. And so we we speak the what we thought we were hearing. And it's 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 a beauty in that. It's 
confusion at learning a whole different language that was never taught to you. Yeah. So I'm not in, I, I don't I'm not embarrassed by that language. I'm inspired by that language, and I think it's a beauty in that language. And that's why there's there's someone in this book right, that depict that language because it is part of who we are. Yes, and it's beautiful. All of it's beautiful. It, 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 everything is beautiful. And so for us, we wrote these poems to inspire and uplift. Because we do find beauty in it, and we are so proud of it. And I, I hope that every woman that reads it also is can be proud and, and know that she's beautiful as well. Good. I love that. I, re- I really, really do. And I do hope young girls read it because when I when I heard you read that poem, I saw myself as a teenager in school. Yes. I'm sorry. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's all right, baby. That's all right, baby. That's it, though. That's it. I had a teacher who was teaching us black kids mm-hmm. that we had to learn how to turn our blackness off. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I asked him, why do I have to turn my blackness off to make other people mm-hmm. feel comfortable with me? Right. And he said, if you don't learn how to turn that blackness off, how to play their game, how to talk the way they talk, then you ain't going to make it that far in this world. Because they're sitting on top. And I'll never forget, I got kicked out of class for this. And excuse my language, but I said it, and I ain't afraid to say I said it. But I refuse to kiss anybody's ass and turn off who I am to make you feel comfortable around me. Right, right. And he kicked me out of right. class for that, but it felt like a betrayal to me because it was a black man. Oh, of course it was. As black oh. kids mm-hmm. to turn mm-hmm. our blackness off to yeah. fit for other people. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me to change my language so I can fit in. If you don't like who I am, then get out of my space because I'm not changing for nobody. I Mm -hmm. say hey, I say yo, whatever else. And I know how to be professional, don't get me wrong, but you are wrong for teaching me in Mm -hmm. class to turn my blackness off. And then you're saying this in front of us, in front of white kids. But you're telling me white kids to turn their whiteness off. Right. And they're looking mm-hmm. at the teacher and agreeing with him. And us black kids is just supposed to sit there and be okay with you teaching us this and you mm-hmm. wonder why we get angry. Because you raising us to not accept who we are. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why your poem touched me so much and that's why I wish I had that poem when I was younger and I was mad because when I say something and he kicked me out of class and I'm like you're kicking me out of class nobody's going to correct him for telling us black kids to turn our blackness off of course not because you're basically in a white neighborhood and you're a white school so you wouldn't tell him to do that oh Cheryl and I got so many stories we can tell you uh, growing up like that 
But uh, uh, that's why it's important that we tell kids that they are good enough. See, when I'm raising my son, and I had to tell him how to uh, uh, interact with people that look different from him, I told, I would tell them, I never told him he had to come up to their level. No, 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 no. You got to go down to their level so they can understand, you know, so they can understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let him know that you are a, a step above. Mm-hmm. So you got to come down or you, you know, they, they will feel intimidated by all your greatness. Right, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I wanted to that's how, you have to, that's how you have to explain it to our children. You, right. you have to let them know, yeah, you are great. And everything about you is great. But, you know, you got to bring some of that greatness down so they won't feel intimidated. Right. And, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, uh, Sister Goose and, and, and uh, Sugar Mama, mm-hmm. you do have to do that. Mm-hmm. You do have to t- keep, teach your children because these people are so intimidated. They intimidated on you by fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. On fight. So, you, you know, you have to, unfortunately, when you are dealing with them, you have to bring it down and come down. Not not turn your blackness off. No, 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 no. You got to no. take your blackness down exactly. so they can feel comfortable around you and not intimidated by you. Because see, that's what you, we have to teach our children. They are intimidated by your blackness. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Because when we come on the scene, it is something, all of a sudden, it is something different now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to see how it's supposed to be done. That's right. That's, what we're going to That's why everything changes when we enter into something. When we start singing, it's something different, isn't it? Yes, it is. When we, when we enter a sport, that sport is never the same. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Look at golf. Look at tennis. Mm-hmm. You're right. People never knew who people, the average person, I can tell you who Billie Jean King was, but I bet you everybody knows who Serena Williams is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because tennis became something different when those black girls brought all their greatness to tennis. Mm-hmm. It became something different, didn't it? Venus and Serena, that's right. Yes, they did. Wear those yes, they did. That's how you're supposed to teach your, your young black children. You got to bring down your greatness. Bring down your light so they won't feel intimidated. That's right. Can we snap to that? That's right. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You can keep going. I just had to snap to that because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that's, the, that's how we teach our children. We, we got to instill in them that they are always great. Everything that they do is great. Right. It cannot feel until, especially in this kind of climate that we have mm-hmm. today. When, when, you know, you, I, I was watching a clip on TV yesterday where this white supremacist was on there, and he was trying to build himself up. You know, he was trying to build himself up, mm-hmm. and uh, it was on Roland Martin's show, and Roland Martin was all over this white supremacist, telling you know, I mean, beating him down with facts and statistics, and this man felt. So intimidated, not intimidated, but he felt like he didn't know his own, right, he didn't know his, what he thought he knew. 
Mm-hmm. He, you know, he couldn't come in there with those silly facts because any time he said something, Roy Martin was on him. No, that's not it. The fact is this. The fact is that. And this man felt, you could see this man getting smaller and smaller and smaller in his chair because he couldn't fight. He, he had nothing to fight with. <laughs> so he going to say, I'm not a white supremacist. I, I'm just somebody that believes that we are great. You know, that we are great people. But see, they have to tell themselves that. You know why they have to tell themselves that? It's because they have run into people who are greater. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. We are people who came from nothing and we're still here. No matter what they have done to us, we're still here. Mm-hmm. And they trying to figure it out. Well, how, how are you still here? Because we are who we are. Exactly. We are God's people. That's why. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This man didn't even know... When Roland Martin tried to tell him, tell him that the first people that were created were black, this man tried to say, well, I, well, I believe that, but we're better. How are you going to be better than the thing you came out of? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's crazy. You can't be better than the thing you came out of. You came from us. We were here first. Mm-hmm. It's been scientifically proven that the black man was created first. Adam was black. Mm-hmm. You can't be better than Adam. <sighs> That's like me trying to say, oh, I know more than the thing that created me. You mean to tell me I know more than what the Lord created me? Mm-hmm. I know more than him? Mm-hmm. I've been living on this earth 53 years Y'all, and I still have not figured out how you gonna create somebody out of dirt and have this raw talk speak and reproduce. Say that. <laughs> so I don't think that they are greater than we are. You came from us. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be here if it was not for us. Yes. Yes. Then he couldn't win on that argument, so he tried to say that. It's not, this is going to really go, you're not. He tried to say that Egyptian, the Egyptians were, were white. <laughs> Get out of here. On the movies, maybe. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, excuse me. First of all, this white supremacy, I'm, you're supposed to be educated. First thing you do is look up what the word Egypt means. It means black. That's what the word means. Egypt means black. So I don't name some Egyptians black if they not black. That's it. Uh, that's when you laugh at somebody who make a fool of themselves right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Don't ever feel like you have to take down for anyone. You have to come down to a level so they can feel, uh, uh, you know, not intimidated. But you don't have to turn your blackness off. You'd be great no matter, you know, and everything you do, you be great. Represent who you are. Yes. And I, I hope young people was listening to that because I'm sure I'm not the only one who went through that. Mm. You know? So. Oh, no. I hope we minister to y'all today. Listen to what these sisters said. Be proud of who you are. And you don't got to turn your blackness off. You just bringing it down yeah, some mm-hmm. to come to their level. I love the way she said that. Mm. And that was presence, the perfect way your to say it. Will change the atmosphere. Yes, it will. I'll tell you this: whenever I had, we had an incident at our school, 
head teacher was hollering at her and everything. She called me on the phone, right? And that's what she did. She probably called me on the phone, set the phone down. She said, Mom, don't say nothing. Just listen. I'm listening to this teacher holler at the classroom, right? So then mm -hmm. the head teacher said, well, you know what? I'm going to talk to your mother tonight. And she put the phone up and said, here she go. You want to talk to her? And he shut up. He didn't say no word. So I said, he probably brought the phone up to me. He's like, Miss Hall, I said, yes, I'm on the phone. He's like, what did you hear? I said, I heard you. I didn't hear, any, I didn't hear her say not a word. I heard you hollering. So what was what's the problem? He said, well, you know what? She shouldn't have had her phone on in the class. I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I'll be up there in a minute. So then he said, uh, what? I said, I'll be there in a minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He I got said, and then I gave, he gave her, he was going to take the phone, but then he gave it to her for her room, so she can't get the phone. And I said, you know what? Don't you say not one word. Could you say anything right now? He's going to be right, and you're going to be wrong. I got this. Right. Don't say nothing. Don't say right. I got all this right here. Don't even look his way. I got this. Now I get up there. Mm -hmm. and like, well, boy, she, she, didn't have, she didn't have her phone on in class. I said, uh-uh. You ain't going to put this on her. He shouldn't have been doing what he was doing in that class. And he was either. saying craziness, y'all. I'm talking crazy. He was doing all that. And, and But then it was like, so they still wanted to ask the kids in the classroom. Was well, he really saying all this? Half the kids didn't want to say what he was doing. But I heard him. I said, he was doing all that. <laughs> hey, he was hollering so loud. I couldn't even, I could make out some of what he was saying. But he was, I guess he was so mad and whatever that I was just coming in the blur. But you could hear how loud he was. And I was like, well, what, <laughs> why was he doing all that? And she didn't say not one word. He, he said, she was saying, I said, uh uh. Someone was right by her. I heard the whole conversation. You were saying everything. She ain't say not a word. So I think it was only one person in class that agreed to, to say, that told her what was going on. Everybody else didn't want to say nothing. I said, that's all right. That's all right. Because he know what happened. And he know I know what happened too. So that's all right. I'm going I'm, to I'm, I'm be paying attention. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking out for you. See what's going on with you. I'm paying attention to what she's doing too. I ain't got to worry about her. I got this one. I'm, I'm watching you. And even my oldest, I had I had problems about that too. Cause she had a teacher who she had a class that she was having problems with, and so she was doing doing the class, my class after school and everything. And she was like, "Well, mom, he ain't helping me. I'm asking for help. He ain't helping me." I called that school. And I was like, "You know what? She need help. You you want to be work or not? She just she get the work done." And he's like, "Well, I don't have time. What do you mean you don't have time? You she's here to do this work after class." He's like, "Well, she's here." Right. I said, "I know she's here." He knows like, "Well." You ain't got to worry about that because I know she's here. He's like, well, I'm just letting you know she's here. You don't got to let me know she's here. I know where she at. And he's like, well, mm -hmm. and I said, well, um, I'll call tomorrow to see how far she got. And he's like, you ain't got to call me. I'll call you. I said, you know what? I will call you tomorrow to see how much she got <laughs> she done. She called every like, day. And he's like, well, <laughs> you don't have to keep calling me. I said, yes, I will. I will call you tomorrow find out how much more work she got to do. And I got, I'll tell you what. Her work, he helped him with the rest of her work, and he ain't saying nothing. I said, I'm calling you every day to make sure this is done. She's going she to get her She don't get her to plumber. You ain't going to tell me nothing. Myself. Mm -hmm. call me every day. Yes, I am. I'm gonna be like, well, let me see if she's here today. You can tell me she's here today. I know where she at. She there. Right. I know where she at. Mm -hmm. She was here today. Yeah, I know she was. Yeah, you, know, tell me that. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, I, I can tell you a story that happened to me when I was in third grade. Mm. And we were at the school, and I think at the time, uh, Cheryl and I were basically one of the only blacks in the school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this little girl and uh and I got into a fight. Mm -hmm. this, this this white girl and I got into a fight. Mm -hmm. He called me the N word. Mm -hmm. I turned around and I called her the H word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now at the time we had a black principal. Okay, now she out there, she a black principal, um, but she the principal of all, you know, 
this entire white school except for my sister and myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she gonna grab me, bring me to the principal's office, mm-hmm. and ask, you know, ask me, where did you get that horrible word from? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, but she, you know, I'm looking at this black woman and look like me, as a matter of fact, you guys, she was darker than I was. Mm-hmm. I said, Miss McCain, she called me the N word. Right. So I called her the H word in response. Right. She was like, Where did you learn that horrible word? Who told you to say that? I said, My father told me to say that. Mm-hmm. She said, Oh, right. Your father told you to say that? She said, well, let's go in here and call your father. I said, okay. I gave him the number 312. I didn't know what the number was. <laughs> and my father got on the phone. He said, while it's speaking, how can I help you? She said, yes, this is Miss McCain from Chateau High uh, uh, Elementary School. And uh, I have your daughter in my office. And I just want you to know, she called one of our students the age group. And my father said, oh, she did. And, he, and she said, yes. And uh, he said, well, why did she call her the H word? And um, he, she said, first of all, which daughter is it? Because, <laughs> because I always had the mouth. Mm-hmm. So he said, she said, well, Wallace, I have Wallace here in my office. He said, okay. He said, well, why did Wallace call her the H word? And he said, because, well, she claimed she claimed that the the girl called her the N word, mm. and I, she said none. Uh, besides that, Mister Wallace, I, I asked her where did she get such an ugly word from, and she told me she got it from you. And my father said that is exactly right. She did get it from me, <laughs> and she was more than right to call that little girl the H word if she was indeed called the N word. Mm-hmm. And she said, and now with that you have my daughter in your office, I know that you didn't say you have the other girl in your office. Where is the other girl? Mm-hmm. So the one said that she didn't, he said, let me speak to my daughter. And I got on the phone. He said, Lawrence is the other girl in the office. I said, no, daddy, she's not in the office. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, let me put Mr. McCain back on the phone. That's right. I don't know what my dad told that woman. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, you, you know, because when I went to the office, she was trying to tell me she was going to spend me mm-hmm. for three days. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know what my my dad told that woman, but I was back in school. I had missed one day. I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. Not one day, and I and I was back in that classroom right after she got off the phone with my dad. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. Wow. So, I'm, t- I'm telling y'all, y'all, there's nothing new on the front, just like Solomon said in that closet. There's nothing new on the front. Yes. Everything you've gone through, we don't want to do with you. Yes. Yeah. Give us not to the black parents yeah
Mm-hmm. And those are all new uh, poems that we are writing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are a few uh, individuals. I think my sister is working on a self-help book. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working on a fiction book. So it's going to be... What kind of fiction? Uh, we're, we're pretty excited. We're working on uh, couple, you know, a couple of different things. At the same time, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah, come back and you can come back and tell yes, us about it. Yes, y'all gotta make sure y'all come back, please. About it, yeah. Please, please. Oh, we would love to come back. We would love to come back. Count it down, get some time, count it down. I would love to um, have y'all come back on for whenever we do uh, Poet Week. I might just bring y'all on for bringing the story to life because my Poet Week's full right now. Yeah, I did, I but did I would love to bring y'all on to bring the story to life where you can still tell your poems. Yeah. And oh, okay. That's great. Tell you know a few poems to everybody, and we can talk about the poems that you shared. Yeah. Because oh, sure. You you guys have a, you guys have a powerful man like yeah. that. That poem alone that you just told yeah, me right. that was, good. I was just that. powerful. I love y'all yes. spirit. I love the vibe you give. Yeah. I, I feel like y'all's that auntie that I can sit around and give me some good yeah. stories and wisdom yeah. from. You know, I just love how open you guys are. We call those nuggets of knowledge. Yes, the little nuggets of knowledge. So thank you so much. Yes, you're so welcome. welcome. We're we're about to do a moment on our show, um, before we give everyone your information of where to get your book. Before we end, we do um a thing on our show that we call. Go ahead, mom. Tea time. And tea time is where we base a question either off of the authors or the title of their book, or it could be their character or whatever, yeah. but we make a topic that we talk about freely together to um, help okay. people get to know you all better as authors yeah. if yeah. they already don't from what yeah, we just shared already. That, that, was, so. that was good. That was good. <laughs> we need a part two of this. So... The tea time question of the day that I thought would be wonderful with you guys to do is share one of your best sister moments. Share one of your best sister moments. So you can tell a story that, you know, that holds dear to your heart about your sister. Um, I'll have, do you want to go first, mom, or you want one of them to go first? You want, I got to think for a minute, because I got to think. Do y'all want to go first, or you want me to go first? Because there's eight of, in my family, there's 12, Um, there's eight girls and four boys, so I got to think for a minute, Okay, well, you think. Oh, wow. And I'm a 12. Okay, I'll go, and this is Cheryl. Which one, which one? Um, one, one, the, the, the moment that I really, really that stands out to me would have been this past um, I spent seven months with my sister Laura and it was sad it was a sad moment Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been the older sister I've always been the protector I've always been the one that fought and defended my sister Mm -hmm. and when I came home during the time of my father's illness and his subsequent death I came home to find a grown, knowledgeable, vibrant, intelligent woman. I I, I left my little sister in Chicago, and when I came back home, she was no longer my little sister. She was indeed, our roles had changed, and she was the one who was protecting me 
and she was the one who was comforting me, and she's the youngest girl. And we had to care for my dad in his illness, and he died from that illness. And so I I relied on her so much, and so that's, that's probably... I almost, you know, I'm, I'm almost tearing up because I can't believe, like, she grew up and it just seems like I was nowhere around. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. But, uh, my favorite story, I am, I'm just going to generalize it because, like I said, um, I, uh, even though we are so much alike, we, personality-wise, there's a lot of things that's different, you know, um, I have a mouth, I've always had a mouth, and my mouth uh, has gotten me in trouble through the years, and uh, my sister has always, I mean, she could just do everything right, you know, she, she was a straight-A student, she, she just, um, she was uh, almost prom queen and homecoming queen. I was not, uh, nothing like that because I, when I grew up, I was always kind of overweight. So I was the person that people would pick on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my sister would never let anybody pick on me. And plus, Cheryl, she could play like any sport. And she was good at the sports. Okay. So <laughs> I was always the person that was last picked on the team. But one year, one year, I don't know how it happened. She and I got in the same gym class. And like I said, before that, I was always the last person. They like, oh, well, I guess she's the only one left on Lil' Kay Wallace. You know what I'm saying? But when Cheryl and, and, and I got in the same gym class, she always picked me first. <laughs> Even though she knew I couldn't play any sport. And I always went out for everything because, I, like I said, I was always trying to compete with her. So I always went out for everything and never made nothing. Mm. <laughs> but I love my sister because she always, I, I was always her biggest cheerleader, but she was always mine too. Because, you know, I would show up to every basketball game, every softball game, every volleyball game. I would show up to them all because I was so proud of her. But she was, even in my failure, she was always proud of me. Mm-hmm. That's my sister story. That's wonderful. <laughs> so we're not done, but I'm going to call this episode part one. Um, uh-huh. If you want to listen to part two, we're going to keep answering the question because I had to stop okay. this one and start another one because we're going a little bit over okay. time because my thing's going to uh-huh. be a flag. So everybody, please click the next episode to hear the rest of the story that me and Sugar Mama are about to say and hear the information of how you can get their books. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on a minute.